Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business or HR leader and you're needing a competitive employee benefits package to help you attract and retain that top talent, we can help. Check us out to build a customized benefits package that fits your business and budget. I'm here again, Robin Bailey, your host, back at it again with my bike riding co-host, Al McDonald. Al, how is your Friday going? It's always great when it's a podcast Friday, and this has been no different. And as always, looking forward to our conversation. I think it's going to be a very timely one. Well, and I don't want to give anything away, but with everything that's going on in the world and companies struggling with the after effects of the pandemic still. So I think this is going to be a very timely conversation. I think you're right, Al. Now, before I let you off the hook, Al, because we talked about on a previous podcast that you had ridden your bike through the north of Portugal. Indeed. Now that we're into October, when does your biking season end? Will you be out this Thanksgiving weekend? Well, I am planning on getting out now a little bit different this year because normally by this time hockey has started and I'm playing and my kids have always been playing in the last number of years, but those days are perhaps behind us. So my biking has probably been extended a little bit and I'm hoping to ride well into, well, November if the snow doesn't fly because you can always ride when it's cold, not so much when there's snow on the ground. Not so much when it's snow. Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully you get as much biking as your heart desires because I know you enjoy it in that that is your Zen time. So that's it. I've always said you get a whatever that is, whether it used to be for me, it was martial arts. And now it's going down to the basement to hit the weights. You've got to find something away from work, in my opinion, that can just have that time just for yourself. So I'm so excited to talk to today's guest. We've had such a hard time uh, going back and forth, trying to get our schedules together to get on the show. So I'm, I'm very excited that we could finalize this today. Joining us today is Sean Hewitt, who is the CEO and co-founder of Wavy. Now, what's Wavy, you ask? Wavy is a platform that empowers remote and hybrid teams to improve employee connection and foster a shared sense of community. She loves working with people leaders to develop always-on culture programming through a combination of social, wellness, and learning experiences for both company-wide and department-based engagement. With a background in marketing and employee experience at Nudge, Sean is passionate about a future of work, people, and culture, and work-play-life balance. Outside of Wavy, she can be found adventuring outdoors or cooking up a new recipe. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here and to be on with a fellow biker. Yes, there we go. Well, Sean, I have to ask you because it's Friday afternoon, so I'm beginning to think about that meal going into, you know, toward dinner time. What's the most recent recipe then that you're working on? Or what's the last one? that you worked mm. on that was, it was either a success or a failure. Well, we're getting into soup season here. So one of my favorites is a curried coconut butternut squash soup. 
fantastic recipe. You're talking my language Make now. your own croutons, make your own topping. But we are heading into Canadian Thanksgiving right now, so I'll be doing the full turkey dinner with all the fixins. In my opinion, gravy is the most important component. That's my specialty. So going to get into some good outdoor time and some good eating over the long weekend ahead of us. Very cool. I was going to say, when you're talking about soups, there aren't too many soups that I haven't become instant friends with because I love soups. My wife makes about two. She makes two. Hopefully there'll be more as she experiments and brings out the big Le Crusette pot. Mm. Any chilies in your repertoire? Ooh, I do like a chili. Do you? Do you? Okay. Is that coming out this fall? <laughs> Definitely. The last time I made chili, I screwed up. I put chili powder instead of cayenne. So quite a bit and it was almost inedible. But what I ended up doing was saving it almost as like a chili starter in my freezer. Oh, so nice. for future chilies, you can use the super spicy stuff that I made and not add more spice to a new batch. But I, I like a good like traditional chili. I do too. Yeah. Funny enough, I used to get Men's Fitness magazine, which nobody gets magazines anymore. But years ago, I ripped out a recipe and I showed mm -hmm. my wife and she said, well, that looks good, but I'm going to change a few things. And oh, yeah. so she took that and made it her own. Oh my gosh. I said to her the other day, I said, you know, it's October. Is, is chili coming soon? So it's definitely coming. So I'm oh, so excited yes. about it. Anyway, we're not here to talk about cooking and chili, although I could have some chili right about now. Let's talk about Wavy. I gave a little bit of an intro, but can you tell us a little more about Wavy? And perhaps, like, why did you start the company? Mm, great question. We've taken some twists and turns with the company over the years, as most startups do. Today, you can think of Wavy as your always-on culture hub. So one central place to plan, manage, and measure the impact of your culture initiatives on employee connection, employee engagement, all the way from your town hall to an AMA with your CEO to a shared learning experience over a lunch and learn, something focused on well-being, and of course, the fun and games, getting teams together for a social. You can centralize all those initiatives in Wavy. It connects to all your top workplace tools, Slack, G Suite, Outlook, HRS systems, you name it, and gives you meaningful feedback and insights on how are these initiatives, how is getting people together impacting the culture health of our business and use that to get proactive about programming versus doing one-off things here and there that are disconnected from each other. And it's a really exciting stage to be in. We really work with our customers as partners, people who are leading the way in future of work, like a fellow guest of yours, Josh, VP People and Culture at Seven Shifts or Alexis McDonald's VP People at Lupio. We really partner with our customers to shape kind of the future of our product roadmap. So it's come through a really interesting evolution. And that's definitely not where we started. Happy to dive into that more. I want to hear more about that. But I also want to hear more about your background yeah. and you in particular, because you didn't just end up as a co-founder of Wavy. There is a whole past there. So as far as back as you're willing to go, where did you start and how did you end up here? Okay. I can go all the way back. I've always had an interest, I won't say necessarily in startups, but in creating something and building. Always had pretty entrepreneurial ideas growing up, whether I created you know, my own t-shirt line to other little books and projects and whatnot. Then entering the workforce, I thought the idea of being in a larger corporation where your work doesn't truly make an impact and you do the same thing every day sounded monotonous and not that exciting to me. 
and I ended up joining a influencer marketing startup based out of Halifax, Nova Scotia called InNetwork. They were actually eventually acquired by a company in Ontario. Anyways, started in influencer marketing and I was actually an influencer analyst matching brands and agencies with ideal influencers for their marketing campaigns. And we were building an algorithm that would match folks with influencers. And from there, I took a real interest in marketing, tried the agency thing for a while, confirmed that the larger corporate life wasn't for me and found my way back into startups. And after working with a few, I landed at Nudge or formerly known as Nudge Rewards. And honestly, because of the people, super inspired by the three co-founders there, Lindsay, Desi, and Jordan, and got in at a really early stage where we were about five or six of us on the team and had the chance to lead marketing from the ground up. As you know, at early stage startups going through a lot of growth, I was there from pre-seed to post-series A, you get to try your hand at a lot of different things. So it wasn't just leading the marketing function, but also kind of shadowing Lindsay, the CEO, learning more about product and product development, working on customer success, sales, and almost getting my MBA and building a startup across Canada, the US and beyond. And it was really because of these three co-founders that I still have great relationships and look up to today that I got my start with Wavy. They knew I'd always wanted to start something and were super supportive of bringing me to networking events, getting my input and research help on fundraising, getting exposure to different areas of the business. And when it came time, when I had an idea that I was excited about and wanted to work on with my co-founders, they were there. The very first pitch competition encouraging me to kind of go down this path. And actually one of them, Jordan Eakers, is on my board today. So it's kind of come full circle. That's a little bit of how I've gotten here. That's a great story. And I want to dive into a little bit. I'm going to ask you a question that has a little bit of a selfish motive to it. Yeah. With what you're doing at Wavy, and we've had to ourselves confront, I guess, if that's maybe the right word, you know, back to work. Is it back in office? Is it hybrid? Is it remote? What does it look like? So my question to you is, I'm going to throw a two-parter question at what does success look like to you from the aspect of measuring the effect that you are having with Wavy on companies that with what you do? But then I'm going to ask that again. How do you measure personal success? But the first one first about Wavy. How do you measure success on the impact that you're having on companies? Mm -hmm. Well, a few different ways. Companies today use Wavy to kind of put their planning, execution, and measurement of critical events, put all of that work on autopilot and save many hours a week in what it would take to research, discover, either book, publish, and then manage an event, and then to get feedback and ROI on that. So the first is in time savings and trusting that doing this work instead with Wavy will save many hours of work per initiative, but also that it will be high impact. On Wavy, you can book hosted experiences for remote, first, or hybrid teams. You can use templates and kind of make them your own to suit your own culture and values, or you can publish completely from scratch. So an AMA with your CEO, you know, that's going to be unique to your own organization. When companies use Wavy over time, they can directly see and understand the ROI of these initiatives on engagement. So are people feeling more connected after taking part in these experiences? Do employees think that these initiatives are positive for culture at their organization? What's overall engagement looking like and how does that slice and dice across departments or function in the business? For the first time, you can really get a good view 
into this data. And the alternative right now is kind of doing this from scratch or manually in a spreadsheet and maybe just tracking participation data, but not having insight into anything else. So we're really working with our customers and community to go much deeper into the impact of all these culture initiatives and engagement programming. So I'd say success is overall engagement and seeing that being continuous and growing. And then is it actually making a difference to how connected people feel and how they feel about culture in general? Yeah. And I think that second part, especially for me, again, because that's something that we always think about and talk about is, is what we are doing, having an impact on our, our employees, right? On our team, because that's what we want, right? We want them to be engaged. We want them to feel like they're a part of the team and they've got mm -hmm. input and all that. So I was kind of hoping that I would hear that. And I did. So the second part, how do you measure personal success? That's a good question. And maybe one I should ask myself more often. I think to me, personal success is very tied to the sort of impact that myself and my team are making on the world. And a lot of what drives my passion with Wavy is, you know, yes, we're a tech company, we're in the tech space, but at the heart of it, it's all about the people and the human experience and building tech that can help humans get to know each other better, build stronger relationships with each other, build trust, even if they're all the way across the world and in different time zones and not even together in person, that is hugely exciting for us. It also means being able to give back. And we've started to build that into our business early on, being members of the Upside Foundation and our focus being on mental health support and resources as a charitable side to our business. And then even if you think about our marketplace, like every partner that we work with is either running their own business, it's just them, or they're running their own small business. So we're able to connect all of those folks with corporate teams and help them grow their businesses through what we're doing at Wavy. So that part's really, really gives me a lot of purpose in it, helping these small businesses grow and helping them offer their services to teams, especially when you get into things like DEI training and facilitation. And that's a piece that we offer within our solution. You made some great points there. And I love that answer. And I love what you're doing. And I heard you say, you know, you want to make an impact. And it got me to think, because I'm thinking... When I meet an entrepreneur, I think about their story and I'm curious and I compare it to my own story. When the word impact came up, I was curious to ask you, are there people, and this can be from a corporate standpoint, from your journey as an entrepreneur to you know being a co-founder of the company, or it can be something on the personal basis, but who's had the biggest impact on you up until this point? Gosh, I'm going to spend the weekend reflecting on these questions, journaling about them. Yeah. Who's made the biggest impact? I'd have to say my co-founder, Nishe, she is someone I look up to immensely. She has a ton of amazing experience and just has a really great ethos in the way she looks at the world and life. And she's constantly kind of challenging me to continue to grow and learn. And we're total opposites. People call us grace and grit. I'm grit. And... <laughs> I, you know, just treasure the time to like learn and grow together and to build this business together. But her and others that know me know that I have a roster of people that I look to for support and mentorship. And I then also do that in return. So I'd say there's a list of 25 people or so that I can call, text, email at any moment, and they're there to support me. And I think that's the only way that I can do what I'm doing with the support of my community. So investors, advisors, mentors, fellow founders, 
and you need each of them at different moments throughout the day or the week. But I definitely don't operate in any sort of vacuum. I'm, I'm very community oriented and lean on those around me quite a bit. Well, your co-founder, Nishé, sounds amazing. She is. It sounds like you've got a very good network of people as well to lean on. And I've said this before, finding those partners, and I feel very fortunate that I'm partners with Al and Joe. Joe doesn't do the podcast, and at some point, hopefully you'll meet him. It's a challenge running a company, and there's emotions involved, and there's money involved, and there's egos involved. And it's so important to find those people that can challenge you to level up, right? Like Al and Joe do that to me all the time. I was seven years younger when I joined. So I was the young whippersnapper when I joined Al and Joe, they're both seven years there. And it was intimidating in the beginning, but I look back now and they really forced me to level up really quickly to get to a certain level. I also love that you said, I love your answer first of all, but I love also that you said that you wanna make an impact on other people. Who are some of those people, and you don't have to name them, but who are some of those people that you want to make an impact and how do you plan on going about that? Yeah, I think the people that come to mind most is my team. I'm so grateful for our early team. We're, you know, seven full time and a handful of contractors and everyone brings so much passion and energy into every day of work and helping them kind of grow in their goals and values, whether that's with Wavy or without us in the future. Like that's a huge goal of mine. And then I think where I've gotten the most helpful advice going kind of from zero where we are today over the past few years is from founders that are about a year or so ahead of where I am in their journey, whether that's product development, customers, revenue, fundraising. It's always so tactical and so helpful to get help from those folks. So I have a handful of founders that I work with who are about a year where Wavy was a year or two ago that you can say, well, here's my template or here's my forecasting spreadsheet or here's my whole research from this investment pipeline. Like take it and use it. And I think some people who really did that with me was Aaron Burry at Willful comes to mind. Jordan and Lindsay and Desi from Nudge. I love Aaron, by the way. She's, She's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. Oh. Aaron goes above and beyond to help those around her. And, and I do think that this vibe or, you know, people like Aaron or what I'm trying to do with my own community is so unique to building in Canada. It is so collaborative. Everyone wants to help. Almost the help can be overwhelming sometimes, like too much, too much support. And that's a good problem to have. Where I, I do find in other ecosystems that I've gotten to know a little bit, it is a little bit more competitive, less willing to share, less willing to help. And I do think that's like a distinctly Canadian tech way of building in community and kind of in the open with each other. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to think about that a little bit. I might come back to that. Yep. But tell me, is there something that you've got a few years of experience under your belt now? Tell me something that you wish you had known then. Mm. that you know now? So many things. And I think the interesting thing about building a startup is every, I was going to say every year, but honestly, every month you look back at you from the last month and you're like, oh my goodness, if only she knew what, <laughs> what I know now. And the learnings and growth year over year is wild to, to think about. I think early on the version one of Wavy, which was very different than what we do today, it was all around helping groups of people connect through local experiences curated by experts. And it was a text message tool and a web app. So we've been on quite the evolution. But I think in that initial stage, as a first time founder, I thought, well, we've got to build this whole solution. Like we're building an app and it needs to have all these features and 
it needs to be perfect and the designs need to be amazing and almost did this whole like product design and development and kind of launched an entire solution before even doing proper validation and testing with our market. So when we started getting inbound requests, organic requests from our V1 saying, hey, this experience looks neat or this event looks neat. Can you plan this for my team? We just started testing right there. We go, sure. What's your budget? How much do you have? We'll do it. And then next time we charged double. And then next time we charged double. And all of a sudden things went remote and distributed with COVID. And you know we pivoted to virtual saying, if teams are going to be more distributed now than ever before, how do we help them connect? And before even building a product, just started as a service and building content and testing and learning with customers and building the product alongside them has proven to be so much more impactful. Like we essentially rebuilt the second version of Wavy. And that's what I wish I knew starting out. Like it doesn't have to be a full shiny thing. It can be an email and a Google doc and you can start working with real customers and earning real revenue from there. And the product development will come as you get to know them deeper. And that's been kind of the key ingredient to our success so far at Wavy. And I think something we'll continue to realign ourselves on every quarter. Are we close enough with our customers and are we working with them versus for them? Okay. I said, I might swing back to your comment before, and you did make a really interesting comment about how you think maybe that's a culture thing, but for whatever reason, you find that people are willing to share, people are willing to collaborate, people are willing to help out people in your situation and the same thing you want to give back to people that are maybe a year behind you. I guess I'm going to ask the question, why? Why do you think that is? Any thoughts around that? You said you've been in situations where that isn't the case. Mm -hmm. I think something, and maybe it's not just unique to Canada, but getting to know kind of the US ecosystem in contrast to ours, I think we've got this kind of macro or collective vision for what Canadian tech and Canadian business can become and that we can really put ourselves on much more of a global map and that we do have some fantastic businesses and innovators and leaders and entrepreneurs across the country. So if we can work together to ensure that success and reinvest back in the community, then that takes us all one step further. So I think it's that kind of mindset that's super different from maybe those kind of starting out early on in the States and that's a little bit more competitive or a little more secretive, but that could come with being 10 times bigger. And yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, it's interesting. And I brought that up because we do a bunch of podcasts in one day, we batch record. A similar comment came out from someone else today mm. who talked about, you know, a related situation. And it wasn't the exact answer, but it wasn't unsimilar to what you just said. So I was just curious to dig down a little bit deeper into that and just get your take on that. Yeah. I think it's got to be a Canadian thing. Like we are so friendly. We're all willing to help. I'm still surprised. I shouldn't be surprised, but I remember the first time I reached out on LinkedIn and I asked someone for help, just some insights. And it was someone that I didn't know. And I felt, well, they're bigger than me. And I was amazed. I shouldn't have been surprised, but they're like, yeah, of course, let's grab a coffee and chat about it. Yeah. Oh, and I remember when I went and told Alan Joe, I'm like, oh, I asked this person and they said, yes, maybe I should ask more people. <laughs> and you know, that's how you build this network. Absolutely. Can I throw you a rando question? Let's do it. What I'll do, so I'm not putting you in the spot, I'll share my answer first, because the rando question is, who in the world, and it doesn't have to be business related, but who out there would you like to meet? 
and I'll go first, just so again, I don't put you on the spot. There are two people that I'd love to meet. So if there are listeners that are connected to these people, I would just love to meet them for different reasons. Number one is Pinball Clemens, who played for the Toronto Argos and is just so big into charity in Canada and especially the GTA. And he's just got such a big personality and just seems like such a great person. I would love to meet him. And then the other person I'd love to meet, and I actually said hello to her once when she did an engagement at an RBC event and she was at standing at the front of the Hotel X and and I thought, I'm going to say hello and see what happens. <laughs> and it was Michelle Romano. Oh, nice. Because I thought she's done such amazing things and I'd love, and she's such a great speaker and I'd love to have her on the podcast. So if anybody knows any of those two, I would love the hookup. Erin Burry knows Michelle quite well. Of course, Erin knows. Yeah. Of course, here. <laughs> she's an investor in Wolfel. That's no surprise to me that Aaron would know. Aaron knows everybody. So, Sean, what would your answer be? Okay, well, I play this as a bit of a dinner party game, which is if you were to have a dinner for four with celebrities, whether they're with us or or not, who would be there? So I do have a dream dinner party, and I couldn't imagine a better table. And then I'll answer one more work-related. But okay. the dream dinner party would be sitting at a table with Steve Carell, Tina Fey, and Amy Poehler. Oh I just God. think you'd never have a better <laughs> dinner in your life. And just hearing them riff with each other and even just like the laughter, it would be amazing. So that's my dream dinner. Okay. I love that one. Big office and parks and rec fan over here. And then in the world of work, people do kind of call me a Leslie Nope. Sometimes I tend to look at people who are experts in my field or in our area as kind of celebrities. I get very excited about them. So my current fixation is with Anne Helen Peterson. She is amazing. I love her perspective on the future of work, world of work, her thoughts on productivity culture. And I really subscribe to a lot of the same things as she does. I feel we have a lot of shared values there. So if you haven't already listened to her podcast or subscribed to her newsletter, like she gets it. And I'm a big fan of her work. Very cool. Well, this has been great. Al, is it that time to get a little philosophical, I think, maybe? We can go down that path. Absolutely. And I can't remember, Sean, I have to apologize. I can't remember if I highlighted the last question on the, you know, the questions that we sent you. It's a little bit of a philosophical question. We always leave it up to the guest. If you're comfortable answering, great. If not, that's what editing's for. It's okay. But it's a really great question. It's Al's signature question on the podcast. So with that, we'll let you take it away, Al. Absolutely. Yeah. So here we go. A society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? Hmm. It's reminding me of the giving tree. Great story. Well, I think on a more macro level, our future vision for Wavy is to continue to make waves, if you will, and what the future of work needs to be. And I'm a huge advocate for a much more flexible future of work. I could probably spend a whole other podcast episode talking about this, but the only reason we work a 40-hour work week dates back to the Industrial Revolution and protesting that we know we can't be working 16-hour days on the factory line, so let's split our 24-hour day into three and have eight hours for work, eight hours for rest, and eight hours for whatever we please. And you know that eventually got approved, and here we are today still working the same hours. Yet, the average office or corporate worker is only productive for three hours a day. And, you know, life is short. And at the end of the day, it's all about the people in your life, whether you meet them through work or family or friends or love or whatever that might be. And that needs to be the focus. 
So I think the shift that's happening for so many in work-life play balance and having things focus a little more on the play and life portion of it, work is still important. We will always still work, but it's not the meaning and every day counts. So I think what I care about a lot and hope to continue to plant trees and continue to make change for the future of work is that we can be a lot more flexible. We can have a lot more diverse teams working with people from around the world in different countries who bring fresh perspectives. We can live in the mountains and still have a great corporate career. And we can prioritize things like well-being and travel and friendships and family and still have great work. So I'm super tapped into this space and definitely advocating for what a different future of work can look like. And we're definitely displaying that at Wavy with pretty flexible work days and hours. Right now, our team's in Canada. We're just in the US, Kenya, India, and London, UK, Bristol, UK. And you know we're only a team of 10. So it's working well for us. And I think it provides a new level of kind of freedom and flexibility that we should all be able to enjoy. So that's something that I'm going to continue to advocate for and hopefully continue to make big changes in. We could have a whole conversation around that. And I would love to. Maybe that'll be our next podcast together. Round two. Yeah. Love it. It's interesting that you said about, you know, the reason that we're doing a 40-hour work week now. I very recently read, it was such an unbelievable, you know, quote unquote fact that I almost couldn't believe it. And maybe it was exaggerated. I don't know. But the amount of hours that people used to work before the 40 hour work week, like you were referring to, like it was an absurd number of hours that people used to work every week, like to the point where I went, is that even possible? I don't know. Maybe it was. I've never kind of investigated. But I just when you said, hey, that's the reason we're working 40 hours. It's true. It's like it's it's just because. Yeah. And I think with innovation, with technology, like, you know, there's so much conversation around, like, what's the importance of the human role in work with AI? And it is for more creativity and art and more of what people bucket as kind of soft skills are becoming critical to work alongside AI. But we can do things faster and we can automate things and we can put things on autopilot and focus more on the good stuff. So things that maybe used to take eight hours of work and take one or 30 minutes and how long you take to work on something versus I take to work on something that may differ greatly. So why measure by the hours worked versus the output or what it leads to the impact? As you were chatting, I looked up on my phone because this sounded very familiar. And it's sure enough, it's a book that I read by, let me just see who this is by, Andrew Barnes and Stephanie Jones called The Four Day Workweek. And it was quite a while ago, so I remember bits and pieces, but how flexible work revolution can increase productivity, profitability, and well-being and help create a sustainable future. So this is top of mind. People are thinking about these things. Yeah, I've got a book recommendation that kind of talks to all of this with little case studies and stories. It's called How to Do Nothing. So you should check it out. All right. Well, listen, for Al especially, he is always <laughs> looking for the next three books because Al seems to devour books faster than anyone I know these days. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Sean. I know you and I went back and forth a couple of times just from scheduling. 
I'm so glad we stayed on top of it and we were able to record. And hopefully, as Al said, we get that round two down the road. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself and what you're doing at Wave? Well, I'd love to do a round two. And best place to find me is on LinkedIn, Sean Hewitt. I'm sure we can share in the notes. And then for info on Wavy, it's joinwavy.com. All right, that's awesome. Well, that does it for today's episode. Al and I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And as you saw here today, success leaves clues. We'll see you next time.